My name is Frederick Washington, and I am a field minister uh, in the prison system in the state of North Carolina. And I, today, have a sermon that I want to preach to the inmate population across the world. And it's called, the title is called to serve. I'm coming out of Matthews 9-9, which reads, uh, Jesus was traveling uh, through Jerusalem and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And he arose immediately and followed Jesus. Today I will make two points. One, love sees a person totally. A lot of times we see people based on their physical appearance, their economic worth, their misdeeds, or the character traits of the person that we welcome into our lives. We do not see the total person, the things of the heart, the things that God has created him to accomplish. In Matthews 9-9, Jesus saw a man named Matthews. He saw him at his workplace collecting tax money for the Roman government and for himself. He knew Matthew's character strengths and defaults. He knew his past. He knew his corruption. He knew his reputation. Jesus did not have a naive view of who Matthew was. Yet, he called him to serve. Jesus knew Matthews completely, yet he loved him readily. He also knew the thoughts of the Pharisees, yet he loved them as well. And Jesus knows our thoughts today, and he loves us. Point two, God sees us totally, and he still loves us. He knows everything about us, our past failures, our present doubts, yet his love for us keep us fully in his view. Paul speaks of this quality of love in his famous description to the Corinthian church when he wrote, love suffers long and is kind. Love bears all things. 1 Corinthians 13 chapter 4 and 7 verse. This type of love and knowledge and complete understanding of one's short faults and shortcomings. It anticipates the need to bear with the failures of another person or group of people. Therefore, we must come to understand that Jesus' love is based on his character and not the character of sinful men. Just as Jesus saw Matthew for who he was, he sees every offender for who we are. He knows how we felt this morning and what we did 20 years ago. His love for us isn't based on our past actions or what we think or feel today. Jesus loves us in spite of all these things. He sees our potential. He knew much more than who Matthew was personally and professionally. And he knew what he and he knew what he would become as well. The Pharisees only saw Matthew for what he was, 
a traitor and a thief, just like the people in our communities only see us for what we did, how we lived, who our family was. But because of God's love, grace, and mercy, Jesus not only knew who Matthew was, he knew who he would become. That's why his name was Matthew, which meant the gift of God. He also knew who we are, who we will become in him. He has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the strong. Jesus is saying to every incarcerated offender, follow me. I know all of your crimes. I know that you killed, raped, molested, stole, robbed. I know that you were drug addicts, alcoholics. I know that you was you experienced pain and abuse. You was raised in dysfunctional families. And some of you have even accused others falsely. And not only that. A few of you has disowned me as the son of God. Yet, he sees our destiny. We know this because when the Lord called Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What was God telling Jeremiah? Jeremiah, I knew everything that you would experience. I knew that you would be crying to me in sorrow for the day that you were born because of the ministry that I ordained you with. But yet, I knew that you would succeed in everything that I called you to do. And that same sanctification, that same ordainment is being sent through time to us today. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think of towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God is telling every incarcerated inmate that I know everything you've been through. Nothing surprises me. And I still call you to follow me because I have a plan not to harm you, but to prosper you. It doesn't matter if you've been in prison one day or two or 29 years, 50 years. I still have a plan for your life to prosper you. All you have to do is accept the call to follow Jesus. In closing, I want to tell you a story about a book that I read called The Reluctant Messiah. This book was about a God that was tired of being God. He had been living for thousands of years and everyone that he grew to love and befriend had died and passed away. So he wanted to be human for a change. He wanted to live a normal life and die and pass away. The problem was he could not stop being the Messiah 
until he could find a replacement. This book was written during the aviation uh, days of America, the early 1900s, when airplanes was a scarcity, when people was amazed when they saw one flying across the sky. They would look up and point and call out to everyone in the town, look, look, it's a plane, it's a plane, it's a plane. And everybody would look and point up at the plane because no one was used to people flying. Well, God was an aviator. That's the way he presented himself to man in this world. And he had a plane and he flew around looking for a replacement. When he ran into a pilot, they had an old plane that was dirty, had a lot of mechanical failures. And the guy would fly from town to town giving air shows so that he could make a living. He barely made enough money to be able to keep up the maintenance in his plane uh, to keep gas and to keep gas in it. Well, God teamed up with him and flew around doing air shows with him for about a year because he had decided that this is the guy he wanted to recruit to replace him. And after a year of flying, the guy realized something. Hey, wait a minute, something's not right here. This guy, his plane never get dirty. It don't have any maintenance problems. He never put gas in it. I never seen him eat or sleep. And he lets me have all the money. God hearing his thoughts saying, you are exactly right. And the reason for this is because I am God. And the reason I am with you is because I am tired of being God, and I have recruited you to replace me. So the guy thought about it, and he said, if you're God, could I ask you a question? God said, yes. He says, how would I know when you were finished with my life? God said, that's easy. All you have to do is ask yourself one question. He said, what is that, God? Am I still living? Because if you are still living, that means that I am not finished with your life. I have something for you to do. And I am long-suffering. I'm willing to wait to give you the opportunity to find me but in this case, I have found you in order for you to make a decision to follow me. Will you accept the call that Jesus gave to Matthews in 9-9 to follow him? That has extended out through the generations for over 2,000 years to every man and every woman being them, them incarcerated or not to follow Jesus in order that they can have the blessings that he told Jeremiah 
that he has for those who follow his call. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that every inmate across the world and every person that hears this sermon understand that your sole purpose in life is for us to accept your call to salvation that you can bless us with the blessings that you have in store for us according to Jeremiah 29 11. Amen.